today on Semi-Intellectual Musings. The cold weather doesn't stop us. Can't say the same for Pearson Airport. We get personal with our plans for the year. Apparently, we're just like the rest of you. From North Korea and cryptocurrencies to driverless cars and earthquakes, our predictions are in and you'll be shocked at what Phil thinks will happen in 2018. This is Resolutions, Confessions, and Predictions. Woman, woman, tell me your name. Let me Hey Matt, how's it going, buddy? I'm uh, I'm doing pretty good. Uh, how are you doing? Uh, I'm trying to stay warm, man. But uh, you're back in Canada. I am back in Canada. Eventually, it took me uh, I'd say about like 24 hours of of travel to get back here. Oh, that seems yeah, like a long so, time from Arizona. Yeah, it was uh, okay. So like, oh, I don't really like travel stories, but uh, I think I got a kind of an interesting one. So I'll, um, my flight was supposed to be at like like uh noon but it got delayed to like one forty-five. so it was pretty cool there was a, a a bar right by my gate um yeah. and so i had a couple of sam adams and uh macaroni which was pretty solid um so yeah we jump <laughs> on the plane me and friday um we fly from phoenix to toronto pearson which is the giant international airport there in toronto um maybe you know like two three hours into the flight uh, I'd watched the the Kingsman uh, part two on the plane, and yeah. uh, it's not it's decent, not a bad whatever. movie, yeah. not a bad movie, right? Um, but I was getting to the final fight scene. And I'm like, oh, okay, there's a little bit of sensory overload for old Captain Concussion here. So I asked the flight attendant, like very nicely, if she could turn off my screen, and she gave me attitude. She's like, sir, if you just, sir, I'm going to show you if you'll just pay attention. I was like, listen, lady. Like, I have a neurological disability. I just asked you politely to turn my screen off, so if you wouldn't mind. And then, so she's like, and then I just walk away, right? It's kind of embarrassing. Um, And then she follows me down the aisle going like, sir, sir, what did you just say to me? What did you just say to me? (laughs) So I get to the end of the plane and turn around and uh, kind of explain in a little bit more detail there and kind of didn't dress her down, didn't swear, but I was like pretty stern, right? So anyway, that was my in-flight experience. And then when we're oh. like maybe 20 minutes outside of Pearson, um, an announcement comes on saying that there's a fire at the airport. Yep. So we land like 20 minutes later. Everyone pulls out their phones to see what's going on. Apparently, yep. uh, a Sunwing plane was backing up yes. and, a, yeah. or, and a WestJet plane was like right behind it. And they just like yep. touched like tail to the side wings. of the plane. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So started a fire and that was pretty crazy. So we were stuck on the tarmac, bro, for like three hours, right? Yeah. So now that kind of sucked, but luckily it coincided perfectly to the World Junior Hockey Championship gold medal game. Okay. So everybody on the plane just watched the game together. Oh. So it was like not too bad, right? Oh, nice. So you had like a live feed of the game? Yeah. Yeah. It was kind of like it killed the time. So get off the plane finally after like three hours on the tarmac other people behind us because there was just a lineup of planes that were like on there for like five hours six hours i go to the WestJet gate and dude my legs fucking gave out like so badly i thought i was going to pass out um just from the whole travel experience just with my concussions so a WestJet agent like stayed with me got me a wheelchair um stayed with me for like two and a half hours the fire department and the emt were called for me i almost went to the hospital 
Um, but she stayed oh, with geez. me. So after all this, it was like maybe one thirty in the morning. Um, I grabbed two spicy chickens from Wendy's, one of my favorite fast food sandwiches. Um, probably my favorite fast food sandwiches. And, um, and yeah, they gave me like a cab tune from a, a hotel. Uh, it was pretty nice. I just passed out. And then uh, the WestJet employee booked me on an 11 o'clock a.m. flight instead of the 7 a.m. one to Ottawa. Um, and I even got like a free wine as well. She like hooked it up like crazy. So um, I'm going to give like the mother of all uh, employee reviews to the WestJet. I took her name and employee number and stuff. So it was pretty cool. But uh, all that to be said, what I've learned in the future when I travel, I need to ask for accommodation. I'm just going to say right. I'm neurologically disabled. I need a wheelchair and uh, help to get to security. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, that was my travel experience. I, then I landed and bro, I went from like 25 degrees Celsius to straight up negative 25 degrees. So it was yeah. pretty much a rude awakening. So there you go. That is my travel story. So yeah. Wow. <laughs> Bill, without further ado, why don't you uh, let everybody know what they're listening to right now? <laughs> yeah, so this is our first episode of 2018, Matt, and I want to welcome everyone to Semi-Intellectual Musings. Uh, we are a podcast that focuses on social science, humanities, and arts. We look at books, music, film, sports. Uh, we link to research, uh, and we really try to talk about uh, our everyday life. Uh, we hope that we learn something together through our episodes and strive to talk with you, the listeners, uh, not at you. And, uh, you know, we're all around geeks. Like, I'm just going to throw that out there. Um, <laughs> Matt, one of the things that we've been seeing throughout uh, 2017 since we started this podcast is like, it's like having a chat at a pub with a friend. Uh, but over the holidays, uh, I had a recent experience, Matt, and uh, I had coffee with a regular listener, which was uh, like really nice and fun. Um, he also teaches at Carleton University. And he, he said to me that he thinks of the show less like having a chat at a pub and more like a fireside chat in a living room, maybe with a cup of coffee or a cup of tea or something. And I kind of like that image as well, oh, you know? That's cool. Yeah, um, yeah he, you know, the, I think uh, what he was saying was the pub uh, tends to be rowdy, tends to be noisy, tends to be uh, not as intimate, but a fireside chat is, uh, you know, something a little bit more intimate. So, you know, have it your way. You were either at a pub or were sitting in front of a fire. You know, <laughs> Beautiful. Um, for... For everyone new here uh, and returning listeners, um, we want to thank you for joining us. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening to us. Thank you for, for some reason, clicking on this episode. Um, and today we're going to be talking about resolutions, confessions, and predictions. Um, but before we get going, Matt, I was uh, kind of interested. So you've been out of the country. Uh, you know, you've been seeing family over the holidays. I want to talk a little bit. I want to ask you. Uh, what, uh, what, what were some of the gifts that you got or that you gave? Huh. Yeah. So, um, so as I mentioned on the holiday traditions episode, I think it was, my mom takes, uh, Christmas quite seriously and especially the giving and receiving of, of gifts. She thinks both are very important. So for my Christmas with my, my mom and my dad and my sister and Melon, obviously, um, it was pretty pretty off the chains. There were so many gifts that uh, I can't even remember them all. But uh, I will note that my sister got me the uh, the book by Gord Downey, uh, Secret Path. And she also got me um, yeah. a very distinctly West Coast. Uh, it's called a Cowichan toque. And it's got a very distinct um, indigenous like design. And it's, uh, it's from Vancouver Island. So 
those are two that I really liked. But um, kind of more on an anthropological level, like when at this time of year when people are giving and receiving gifts, I always think about The Gift by Marcel Mauss. And I highly recommend this to everybody. Very good book, really short, really insightful. So um, do you want to hear a little bit about Marcel Mauss, Philly? Uh, of course, I'm always up for uh, for some Marcel. Marcel Mauss, we'll start the new year with you. Um, so this book is really about giving and receiving. And um, Mauss argues that it's almost a, a cultural universal, that every culture has this component of exchange, you know. And we can say that there's a large amount of cultural significance invest in the act of giving and the act of receiving. Um, these are like norms and taboos. But what I think is the main point of uh, The Gift by Marcel Mauss is the concept of reciprocity. So it's almost like owing yeah. somebody or creating an obligation to return a gift. And um, to me, this is one of the, like, the central part of where social and cultural relationships f- form and are strengthened. And um, maybe yeah. sometimes yeah. when they start falling apart. So Philly. Yeah. Yeah. With that nice little diatribe for you, um, what are some of the favorite gifts that you got or gave? Um, you know, you know, thinking of that idea of reciprocity, uh, I think one of the favorite gifts that I gave uh, over this holiday season uh, was a mug uh, to my wife. It's a Star Trek mug. Uh, awesome. And for any TNG uh, fans out there, it says T, Earl Grey, hot. Uh, you know, that's a TNG thing. It's uh, from Picard. Every time he goes to the replicator, he asks for uh, tea or Earl Grey hot. Uh, so I got that for her. Um, and, that's you know, amazing, you, you say that. <laughs> yeah. And like, um, you know, there's like, you know, norms and taboos and that kind of stuff about giving. And this is um, and for anyone who's listened uh, to the podcast. My wife and I haven't been re-enjoying and enjoying watching TNG the entire thing. We finally finished like... It took us a year to watch uh, all of the episodes, um, and it, it was kind of a, it was a shared experience that we had, right? So this mug kind of symbolizes um, this relationship that we, I guess, not really forged, but this thing that we had together while watching it. So that That's was, uh, you know, that, that was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. It's um, so like I think what you're touching on there is like it's referential. Right, like it refers to a time that you guys shared together, so it makes it a little bit more special, right? I think gifts serve that purpose as well, right? Um, oh, for sure. Reminds, or they reminds should. us of certain, yeah. You know, the best gifts do that, right? So, like yes. the couch and toque that my sister got me, um, that is from West Coast, and uh, I really needed a new toque as well, so it was also utilitarian. But then also, yeah. I was like, I almost started crying when I opened up the secret path because I was like, "How did you know? Like, that's so nice of you." So. I also have to say, the secret. So on Mel's side, we do a secret Santa, right? Because there's so many yeah. like siblings, right, and and in-laws now. Um, so my potentially future brother-in-law um, got me one of the best secret Santa gifts I've ever received. It was so bang on and referential. So I he got me a a mug that uh, has um, a quote from the Tragically Hip on there. Um, I sent you a text. Nice. Do you remember what it was? It always slips my mind. Uh, no dress rehearsal. This is our life. No dress rehearsals. This is our life, right? Nice. Then he got nice. me like a handful of um, Edmonton Police uh, golf plastic golf tees. Um, his uh, uh, my sister in law uh, Bethy. She works as like, an administrative assistant for one of the deputy chiefs there. 
Um, so I'm going to enjoy smashing those with my seven iron. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. He got me a calendar that like, it's like a love confessional to Justin Trudeau. It's so funny because he knows <laughs> I, I dislike Justin Trudeau so deeply. We've had a few like really intense, like political conversations together. And then just to top it off, he gets me a, a sack full of, um, those candy Coke bottles, like the gummies. And oh, like, yeah, 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 just cause yeah. he knows that like, there's no other pop, like no seven up, no Sprite, no root beer. I am a Coca-Cola classic fan. Right. So it was just like, it was like the best secret Santa gift. And so for, for me giving, um, I was, so as I mentioned on a previous one, um, I went fishing with my friend, fell on some rocks. So I got a concussion there. Um, so I was pretty messed up, like even on Christmas Eve, and I hadn't get gotten mail anything yet, because the plan was that we'd buy everything when we got back into BC. So the thing I'm most proud of giving is forcing myself to go to the mall on Christmas Eve and buy everything that Melly wanted on her list, um, just because, like, just because I forced myself to do that. Like I feel like that right. meant a lot to her. So. So everything I got for Melly, I am very proud of. <laughs> so good, yeah. good stuff. So, so there you go. So all around, it's been a good holidays. I think uh, mostly for gift giving, gift receiving, um, and Matt, uh, our gift to our listeners um, is going to be a new game. And uh, you know, we started this uh, last week, uh, but I want to continue it this week. And it's the game: What do you hate more? So, Matt, um, could you introduce the concept to us uh, and our listeners? Uh, what's this game about? What do we do? It's a game that's kind of a take on friend or foe, the one that we've been playing all of uh, last year, I guess. Um, but this game is yeah. definitely a lot more negative. It's uh, We're really going to let our cynicism <laughs> shine here. So, uh, so Phil, um, I started it off um, with the first topic. It was, um, what do you hate more, stubbing your toe or falling down hard on the corner of that's a right, love seat? Yeah. Uh, armrest yeah. with your butt cheek um and we both decided yeah. that uh, that was that was the thing we hated more yeah. so yeah. bill yeah. do you have a um a topic for us to uh i do to delve into so it seems it seems appropriate for today uh since you're back in canada since we're all living this sh- this thing right so i want to i'm gonna ask the question what do you hate more extreme heat or extreme cold wow okay so by extreme we're talking plus uh say 35 and uh for extreme cold i'd say like minus 25 that's that's kind of the parameters is that fair phil we can we i think that's fair yeah that's fair okay so i just right off the bat i hate extreme heat for the simple fact that it's hard to cool down and it's also always real real bright so it's like a double whammy. It's like your eyeballs are sweating and your entire being is like super hot and it's hard to cool down. So for me, right off the bat, extreme heat is the thing that I hate more. So what about yourself? Right. Uh, I'm going to have to agree. So being Canadian, having grown up with some pretty extreme colds, um, you know, when it gets to 35, which is like around 95 Fahrenheit, um, I feel miserable. Do not yeah. handle the warm. Uh, you know, I would I would even venture that at like uh, 27C. So uh, that's at like, uh, I don't know what 27C is in Fahrenheit. Um, but I would even venture that starting at like 25 or 27 uh, Celsius, I, I'm starting to feel miserable. 
So like so anything over really so 77 Fahrenheit. But what about like, because first off, when everyone says like, oh, well, dry heat isn't too bad. I want to punch them in the face. But um, you and I grew up in a place where the heat is similar. Uh, you in Ontario and Quebec, um, you you have a humid heat, right? So we when do, we're yeah. in BC and we say, wow, it's really hot out. It's like 30 degrees. It's because it's like super, super humid. It's like Southeast Asia feeling, you know? So, um, yeah. so I think that's another component to it. Cause when I was in Arizona, it was comfy at 25. Yeah. Because it was so dry. Yeah. But I mean, like you were in the right season. Oh, it was perfect. Yeah. Yeah. yeah there was even a frost See, delay on the golf courses. <laughs> well, there you go. See, like, like, like that's, that's gorgeous. Like I love fall. I love spring. Um, and most of the time our summers don't get too hot, so they're manageable. See, mm. the thing is when it's super hot, you can't do anything. Like you're just in the heat. You can maybe try to find shade. You can maybe go in, like if you can, and if you have uh, air conditioning, you can go inside and benefit from that. Uh, but when it's super cold and you know, it's going to be super cold, you can bundle up for it. You know, you totally. can wear multiple layers, uh, toque mittens, uh, extra pair of socks, maybe, uh, but when it's just so hot, like, wh- what do you, like, once you've stripped down, what do you do? Like, I can't remove my skin. Uh, so, you know, I, maybe this is like a true Canadian northerner thing, but uh, I would prefer it to be minus 25 than it to be, you know, I'm going to say 25 degrees C. That, like, if it's much higher than 25, I'm miserable. Like, I'm grumpy, I'm sweaty. Uh, it's, it's not a good feeling. I'm Like, you know, I'm getting kind of... Getting kind of uncomfortable just thinking about it. <laughs> totally, man. And then it's like that kind of heat where it's like you take a nice ice cold beer out, you sit outside in the shade, and it just becomes warm. So it's funny with these uh, what do I hate more games that uh, we've uh, come down on the same side uh, twice. So yeah, we're we going to have to yeah. have a disagreement in the future. <laughs> maybe. So do you have maybe any, we'll uh, see. Do you have any uh, music to kind of break us up here, Phil? We do, yeah. So uh, on today's episode, we actually have two artists. Uh, the first is a project called Computer Hash. It is the brainchild of David Wagner from the tiny town of Fenwick, Michigan. Uh, listeners yeah. and Matt, you may know the, uh, David's name. He's the host of the popular Addictions podcast. Sorry, I'm just going to stop you there. Uh, David Wagner is awesome, bro. Yeah. I'm so excited about yeah, this. Yeah. That's wicked. Okay, cool. Computer Hash creates techno and experimental electronic music littered with a variety of original audio samples recorded on cassette tape. Uh, over a decade ago. So most of these audio samples are from various parties that David attended with a cassette recorder in hand, ready to record any interesting drunken rants for future use in music. Recently, David has been working to promote and create new music under the computer hash umbrella. Uh, And we're going to have like uh, a bunch of songs from him and computer hash on today. You can find computer hash on SoundCloud at computer underscore hash or on Facebook at computer hash, all one word, so here is one track from Computer Hash. It's quite funny, actually. And I and I kind of listen to it as like a social critique. Uh, some would call it maybe detournement or maybe like a deconstruction. Um, in any event, it's neat. And it really has like a neat kind of bass riff going on. It's a track entitled uh, Eternal Nocturnal. And when we come back, we're talking resolutions. Fuck Dyer. You know what that word means, right? Die what? Diurnals. That's the opposite. Opposite of nocturnal. Yeah. I am nocturnal.
Fuck tire. back everyone uh today we are talking about resolutions confessions and predictions i think those things go together uh i think so but let's start with our own resolutions before diving into a bit of an analysis of resolutions more broadly matt um you know some of my new year's resolutions i'm going to start uh i want to finish my phd uh preferably by june i'll be a doctor of philosophy cool so well, that's, nice and specific uh, that's kind of well. a resolution. Yeah, I like that you picked that uh, right to a time of year as well. Good for you. Yeah, uh, hopefully. You know, that's what <laughs> I'm working towards. But, uh, you know, we'll see. Life gets in the way. Yeah. Uh, I also want to smoke less. So, you know, if you've listened to the podcast before, I am a smoker. Uh, so I want to, I, I, you know, I don't want to set myself up for failure on this one. Uh, I just want to smoke less. Cool. That's it. Yeah, no, that's fair. Yeah, that's that's a real reasonable one as well. It's not like I will quit smoking. Like it's a smoke class. Right. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Just a little less. Uh, yeah, I also cool. want to read more books and I don't know what that means. Uh, it could be maybe <laughs> one, uh, one a week more. It could be a couple pages a, a day more. I don't know. But I feel like I, I've been reading a lot of articles and mm-hmm. I feel like the long form way of arguing is lost in, uh, in this frantic kind of era of parish uh, publisher parish uh, so i want to kind of go back to the book form the longer form um and i think that's going to maybe help me with my writing as well so uh instead of reading all these kind of short uh, like five to twenty page articles basically chapters i want to read uh, more books that's cool. uh, that's one of my resolutions for 2018 and um you know the last uh, my fourth resolution and it's one um you know not a lot of people can can take advantage of it, but I, I sincerely hope everyone does in some way. And that's to take some time off work, uh, take a little bit more time to relax. And that, you know, I'm not, I'm just going to leave it there. You know, that could be playing board games. It could be going for a walk. It could be getting an extra half hour shut eye. Uh, but I think stepping uh, back a little bit from, uh, our hectic work schedules, relaxing a bit more, something good, something healthy, something beneficial for us. Uh, that's my resolution. Uh, for the year that's awesome man um i really yeah. like your uh the one about reading more books there um that's uh ties into something i wanted to talk about but um i will note uh francis slaney at carlton and bruce miller at ubc they both advocated for reading ethnographies yeah. and that's what anthropologists call yeah. their lar- longer form book formats so um and yeah. for the exact reasons that 
you said there is going to help you with um, forming an argument because you're basically writing a book for a dissertation. So that's exactly, really cool, yeah. man. And yeah. you know, the 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 my 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 kind of push to do it to to read more books is I've been reading a lot of news stories, a lot of magazines, a lot of websites, and I feel like it's really only like two or three paragraphs of stuff. And there's, uh, you know, it quickly gets into it. There's the argument, there's whatever the author wants to say, and there's no real exposition of it. There's no real kind of showing the work that goes into it. And, um, I feel like my attention span has gotten a bit shorter. Um, you know, I can honestly feel that my attention span has shortened a bit. So I want to kind of purposefully lengthen it back up because, you know, I think attention is like an elastic band, you know? Mm. Oh, that's interesting, man. Um, so that actually like perfectly ties into what I wanted to say. So my very first um, personal uh, resolution for 2018 is um, is to kind of uh, read to Violet more. We have a whole bunch of picture books uh, that nice. we got from friends. Yeah. Uh, we asked basically instead of getting us a card for um, for our baby showers, we asked for books with a nice little message written yeah. on the inside. Um, now we have like three dozen books. So. They're often, nice. um, they all have like personal meanings to the people who gave them to us or political meanings because all of our friends uh, make about politics. So I'm really eager to dig into these. Um, but in a more like meta way, I need to find ways to care for her in a more concussedly responsible manner. I need to find ways um, that I could care for her because when Mel goes back to work in like June... Um, I'm going to be a stay-at-home dad. So um, I'm going to take the first half of 2018 to to sort of adjust and try to find my coping mechanisms. So, yeah, yeah. that's my first that resolution. Yeah. That's a yeah. big one. It's it's pretty big one. So maybe on a, a bit of a lighter note, um, I'm also going to start like a little, I'd call it like a solo podcast project. I'm going to call it The Violet Files. I think I've talked about it a little bit before, but um, we're going to talk about our resolutions for our own show in a minute, but I just wanted to kind of announce it formally. Um, the Violet Files are going to be kind of a personal project. Each episode will be maybe 10 to 15 minutes long. They're going to be super well-structured um, in terms of the topic and also the format. Um, and I'm going to kind of position it like I'm talking to her in five years. So I'm going to use my, hey, love, it's daddy talking, like my daddy voice. <laughs> um, <laughs> right, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, and basically what this is going to be is like an audio documentation of all the things I did to try to enhance her development. Um, so for me, I have Neat. like severe memory issues and if I don't get these ideas down in some way, um, I'll, I'll just forget it. So it kind of is a way for me to bring more clarity and focus to my parenting. And it's also a way to make it not so overwhelming. I think, um, right, yeah. I kind of intentionally avoided reading parenting books and following like the newest trend in parenting. But instead, this whole thing is going to be observation-based and also sort of like so observations I've made of other parents and stuff uh, and conversations mm. I've had with my own parents and, and other parents and also kind of pseudo-academics, little tidbits I've picked up along the way in university. So that is what the Violet Files are going to start with. And then I'll release like an intro episode that explains it in a little more detail. But uh that's what I'm doing, man. That's my violet resolution. <laughs> well, uh, when you launch that, uh, we'll uh, we'll make sure to promote it on this podcast because you know that's what we do. We help uh, oh, shows yeah. promote other shows. So, oh yeah, uh, no, it's not that. like 
Yeah, it's not another show. It's like it's right within our umbrella. So we're just gonna the title will just be Violet Files, like number one, and then the topic. Or oh, okay. Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah, no. All this right, is not, I learned something new every day. Oh, yeah, bro, I'm not, like, leaving you. Don't worry. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so anyway. Start, started to get anxious there, you know. Matt, Maddie's going to go off and do his own show without me. That's okay. Oh, yeah, no, that's just that's just the old concussions talking there, man. I just probably just misspoke along the way. So, so yeah. <laughs> <All right. no. laughs> uh, so, Matt, uh, a couple episodes ago, uh, you said that uh, one of your things that you were going to try to do is golf. Um, you know, maybe make semi-pro and pro. Um, is that something that uh, is in the works for 2018? Yeah, that's my other major resolution. Um, I'm going to try to really coherently um, combine golf and wellness. Um, it's all, nice. everything is related to my head, you know, but um, I'm going to, the ultimate goal is to pass, pass the plane test in 2019, and that would make me a professional golfer so that I could charge money for lessons. And then if I entered tournaments, I could win cash prizes instead of like golf clubs and stuff. Um, But I need to take 2018 to get super healthy, um, both in mind and body. So part of that is like just stretching, doing some Pilates, a little golf specific movement exercises. I'm also going to really focus on my nutrition um, and I'm going to center my nutritional adaptations around cognitive sensorial enhancement, movement, flexibility, focus, and energy conversion. So I, I take a, my nutrition quite seriously because it's a, I see it as a form of medicine for me. Um, I'm also going to kind of restrict my sensorial um, world. I'm going to try to find ways to like blank off like the visual or the, the sound um, because that really is right. something that in 2017 I found um, sensory overload is a thing that ultimately sets my symptoms ablaze. Um, yep. And that's yep. part of like various pain management techniques. So I want to kind of, when it comes to golf, practice and play smarter, um, and then also manage my time better. So golf is like, and golf is very much more than just going around and walking 18 holes and and playing. Um, you know, it's, it's, uh, I use it as, 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 you know, as I say, like time management, pain management and so on. So that's my last resolution for 2018. That's neat. Get healthy. And, um, <laughs> you know, you, you, yeah, get healthy, but, um, I guess, uh, have a purpose for being healthy as well. Right. Like, um, I, we're going to talk about it in a second when we come back from a, another music break, but, uh, a lot of, uh, resolutions, New Year's resolutions seems to center around eating right, getting exercise, but they don't really have an end goal, right? It's just, to enhance my body image, uh, feel better, but uh, you kind of have a purpose here, right? And you can say, well, I need to change my nutrition. I need, I need to focus on the, uh, the kind of stretching and the, the sort of uh, focus uh, that my brain needs, uh, not only for parenting, but also for your potential golf goals, right? So I think, yep. you know, they're, they're smart goals. <clears throat> they're smart <throat> resolutions. They're not just out there uh, as willy-dilly sort of things, right? Willy-nilly? Yeah, willy nilly. -nilly. (laughs) Something silly, Philly. Yeah, totally. No, it's, um, I think that's very important as well, Phil. And we'll sort of, when we come back from this music break, we'll kind of break down like the history and some of the components of resolutions because I think that'd be kind of interesting. But uh, yeah, I'm right with you, man. You need a clear goal in mind. So, yeah. On that note of having clear goals, here's another song from Computer Hash. This one is titled Acid Bath. 
Uh, you can check out Computer Hash, David Widener's project on SoundCloud at computer underscore hash and on Facebook, Computer Hash. Um, we're going to link to the tracks uh, that we played today in the show notes. So if you missed anything, go down, check out the show notes. And when we come back, uh, we're going to talk about New Year's resolutions. Black velvet! Black velvet! I love black velvet. It's so silky and so smooth. It's so smooth and so clean, clean. Canadian urine. Canadian urine. Popular histories of resolutions place the practice far, far back in history uh, around the Babylonian Empire and then ancient Greece. These types of resolutions seemed to be focused on the community, much the same way Mayans would extinguish all debts every cycle, about every year, and these ancient forms of resolutions were outwardly focused. Uh, Modern forms of resolutions, so the popular histories tell us, are much more inward focused, concerned with personal betterment and things like that. Um, Matt, uh, New Year's resolutions aren't something new. Uh, they've been around for a while, uh, and the popular histories tend to tell us that they've shifted. Um, today I want to talk a little bit, dig a little bit into this idea of resolutions. Yeah, totally, man. Um, so when I think of, when I, when I started thinking about New Year's resolutions, I, I just sort of like broke it down linguistically. So for me, um, resolutions are kind of like a combination of confessions and predictions. Um, and what I think yeah. is interesting about the linguistic breakdown is that you can kind of apply it to different cultures around the world and through time. So as Phil did there with uh, some of the early histories, because it seems like most, most uh, cultures, you know, they have a confessional mode and then they also try to predict the future because that just sort of makes sense. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to like Western culturally specific form of making resolutions, I agree, man. It's often self-centered and then interpersonal, so social, but it's rarely, mm-hmm. I think, socio-political. So you never hear somebody say, I resolve to change the world this new year, <laughs> you know? So I think right. it's really interesting to look at our form of making resolutions in our history of it and seeing how the cultural meanings are embedded within the action or the inaction within yep. giving and receiving yep. resolutions, you know? Yep. Um, 
So I found evidence from the late 1800s that resolutions were spiritual in nature, uh, which kind of makes sense. Uh, and one example from 1895 shows that resolutions of goodwill and being kind to each other uh, was what was uh, wished for um, for the practitioners. So really, uh, I don't know. I don't know if the popular interpretation in, of resolutions is to reinforce the thesis that we have become intrinsically self-serving and impersonal, or if it's just an easy trope to help understand uh, historical trajectories of things. Um, you know, the trope of uh, individuation. Um, but nevertheless, it seems that New Year's resolutions aren't anything new. They've been around for a while. And as a practice, um, really, it's of taking stock of the past year. So that's kind of like the confessional sort of aspect of it and wanting to think about the coming year. So maybe that aspect of predictions. Um, but it's also probably close to how the human mind actually works um, when given like a Gregorian calendar to follow, right? It's a type, it's a form of reflexivity. Um, and it's a, an attempt at personal and social betterment. Uh, so, you know, before, before I, I link that to how we're governed, because I think, um, <laughs> Matt, I could do that and, you know, throw in some Foucault and that kind of stuff and of course. government of the self and the others through practices. for Foucault, my friend. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, like, you know, okay. So I'm not going to do that. Uh, but, um, how about we talk about some popular, uh, New Year's resolutions from the U.S. and Canada. Uh, Matt, can you guess? Uh, so I, ha I, I did my research. So I have some statistics um, from some polls. But what would be your guess at the top five uh, most kind of common resolutions? Beautiful. Okay, so these, I think, are the top five Western cultural resolutions. So number five, personal enhancement. Um, I think it's something where you're like, I'm going to be a better person, that sort of thing. Number mm -hmm. four, mm -hmm. enhancement and creation of social relationships. Number three, mm -hmm. body mm -hmm. modification, whether inner or mm -hmm. outer. So it's like, I'm going to go to the gym more, or I'm going to get a new hairstyle and wear better clothes, you know, that sort of thing. Yep. Number two, yep. related to that, weight loss. I think especially in mm -hmm. North America, that is yeah. a huge thing because of the obesity issues. And then yeah. number one, I think it's quitting destructive habits whether it's like gambling, smoking, drinking too much, mm. that sort of thing. So it's like quite literally quitting a bad habit. So to me, that that's the top five. Interesting. Now, uh, what the stats so that say? aligns, well, that aligns almost uh, with the official stats. Well, well I Seriously? call them official. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you know, it's really hard to get any of this kind of stuff uh, nailed down precisely and officially, but uh the stats for the U.S. I'm taking from um, a source called Statista. Uh, this is based on a YouGov survey of uh, 1,159 U.S. adults. And um, basically they asked them, uh, which of the following are you planning to include among your New Year's resolutions? So interestingly, 18% said that they're going to read more. So, you know. 18. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, of the of the people who who responded, 18% uh, had reading more as one of the resolutions. I guess that's a better way to describe this statistic. Um 24% uh, focus on self-care. So like more sleep, uh that kind of stuff. 37% save money or save more money. Okay. Equal to that, get more exercise. And this, uh, this is kind of like your body modification in or outward, uh, losing weight sort of thing, get more exercise. Uh, and then equal to that again, 37% was eat healthier. So we see 
um, you know, you're not too far off there, Matt, with your with your predictions. Um, interestingly, this poll says that 32% um, say that I don't plan on making New Year's resolutions. Oh, so, that's oh, that's probably the most interesting stat interesting, on there. Right? Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. And it is interesting too that I never even thought about the money thing, saving more money. That I was actually surprised. At. I'm like, oh yeah, of course, right? You know, financial betterment. Well, this is, yeah, this is, I think what was missing from yours. Now, if we flip over to Canada, um, mm-hmm. again, comes from the sources Statista. Uh, this one um, comes from a StatsCan survey and uh, it's from 2016. So it's dated by like a year. Um, so the fifth most uh, common response was to learn something new, a language or a musical instrument. 6% said that that was among their New Year's resolutions. Um, 10%, uh, number four, 10% said spend more time with family and friends. Again, like, huh. you know, something kind of interpersonal, something interesting, right? I want to spend time with friends, family, loved ones, take time to relax a bit. Um, 11% said quit bad habits. So there, there, there it is, Matt. You're absolutely right. Uh, 13% said travel and leisure. So as a resolution, wow, you want to get out more. You want to see more things. I never even thought about that. Yeah. Yeah. See the and then the last two, <laughs> the last two are probably universally in the Western uh, side of the world, um, the most kind of th- uh, categories that people want to have a New Year's resolution for. Uh, 21% said focus on financial goals, so spend less, save more, settle debts, that kind of thing. And 33% was improve personal fitness and nutrition. So all in all, Matt. We are very much just like the statistics. Uh, I think our resolutions fit in squarely with what others have in plan. Yeah, that's that's really interesting, man. Those are interesting stats. Like learn something new, travel and leisure, um, spend more time with family and friends. Uh, those are all like surprising. I didn't really have those. And then I'm shocked at the quit bad habits. That To me, that 11% or whatever it was. Yeah, 11%. Yeah, um, yeah. I think that's just a bunch of people who are like, you know what? Uh, no, nah, I don't want to quit smoking this year. <laughs> you know, so it's it's interesting. Like, it should probably be like thirty percent or something. But oh, uh, oh what you're saying like, is eleven percent is low. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah, I'm really surprised at that number actually. Well, you know, like uh, I'm gonna use bad habits as like a way to say like a vice. So probably mm-hmm. like uh, drinking, uh, smoking, gambling, uh, you know, the vices. Um, yeah. But like those things are hard to quit, man. Like they're, they're a bad habit is it can be changed, but it, it's, it's a thing that's ingrained. It's hard to change, you know? So um, in a way, if, you know, I'm going to say like in a way, 10%, 11% seems a little high to me even. Because if you look at the smoking statistics, it's not 10% of the population who actually ends up quitting smoking every year. Um, You know, it's probably a lot less than that. So the decline in smoking or the decline in the amount of uh, adults who drink isn't at that 10% level. So what people aspire to do at the beginning of the year isn't actually what they do by the end of the year. And that's kind of the other tricky thing with New Year's resolutions, right? Yeah, totally. They have to be attainable as well and uh, realistic. You know, we say that about setting goals for our students all the time, but I think that is uh, the key there in quitting bad habits if you want. And then also there's an element of like, maybe somebody's like, I like smoking a little bit or 
I like playing the lotto every once in a while. Maybe it's not the worst habit in the world. So there's also definitely like a taboo and stigma associated with certain bad habits. But uh, anyway, we could dig into these stats forever here. Um, do you got any more yeah, music for and, us to play? Uh, I completely agree. I completely agree yeah. about the confessions part, Matt. Uh, so before we get into that, I think um, fellow musicians or music production geeks like me uh, will remember the days before these like fandangled digital audio recorders, uh, the days before smartphones, uh, when we used to use analog cassette tapes, uh, things like that. I remember in the early 2000s, Matt, uh, going into music stores and pawn shops and scouring the shelves looking for discarded 70s and 80s uh, analog pedals, analog cassette delayed uh, soft like uh, devices. Um, none of that software was out there to do that, right? It was all analog. It was all, you know, hands-on. You got to use wires, batteries, 9-volt batteries, man. Coming out, coming out of everywhere, 9-volt batteries everywhere. This is exactly <laughs> what Computer Hash the creation of David Wagner does uses analog cassette recording, combines it with some really neat sort of soundscapes and some neat electronic music. Uh, I want to play another song from computer hash. This one is appropriately titled, I believe bill will be pissed. What do you think about this? No power situation. I think this is fucking bullshit. This I think, nice the, I, think real things is I think we should set the stage on fire. We should set the stage on fire. I got some in my car right now. You got some bazookas, man. Okay. Where'd Bill go? Bill will be pissed. We're going over to Bill right now. Here he is. What do you think about this no power fucking shit? Power shit is bullshit! Welcome back. We're talking resolutions, confessions, and predictions. Now, we started venturing into it, Matt, but it seems to me that in order to make resolutions, as you were saying, we're forced to come to some sort of confession about ourselves, about our relation to others, some sort of deep, dark secret. And, you know, maybe this has some links to Judeo-Christian personality, uh, Judeo-Christian sociability, but... I want to talk a little bit about our own confessions right now. Matt, uh, I have two confessions that I want to make. Um, oh. And I'm treating this as like a confessional, right? So Judeo-Christian sort of thing. 
So one of my resolutions was to, to reduce the amount of smoking. Matt, my confession is I actually enjoy smoking. I want to quit. I do, but, uh, I like it. I enjoy, I, I enjoy it. I enjoy it too much. You know, it's okay, man. Like I enjoy smoking things as well. Um, and my sister it, it has said the exact same thing. She's like, you know what? I like smoking. Like I just do. <laughs> and so I think your yeah. resolution of smoking less is a nice middle ground. So I uh, resolve you of yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. this sin, Philip. I just did a cross oh, there. You. Yeah, you oh, uh, you can. Yeesh. Yeah. All right. <laughs> okay. Well, okay. So, so you my got next confession one. for me. I do, Child? I do, I do, I do have another <laughs> confession, and I have probably a confession for our listeners and our podcast pals. Okay. Uh, okay. This one's hard. I don't actually listen to a lot of podcasts on a weekly basis. Like I have several that I listen to on a weekly basis regularly, but that's maybe like three. Okay. Um, I, I enjoy podcasts. I do, but I don't listen to hundreds of them like, uh, some people. Yeah. Like some people over here. Yeah, no, that's, uh, I sort of knew that I had a feeling, but I didn't actually know. Like it's like three. (laughs) Yeah. Well, maybe it's like three. It could be four. It could be four. There might be a week where I'll just listen to one episode of uh, a yeah. my podcast that I enjoy. But then there there'll be other weeks where I get caught up, right? So like if I need a long car drive, then I'm listening to like, you know, four or five hours of it back to back and I'm getting caught up on one show. Um I think okay. what happens to me is jumping in between shows um is difficult. So if I if I find a show and, you know, I enjoy a show, I'll listen to a, a like, you know, three or four or five episodes in a row. Yeah, you'll binge it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, that's so fascinating, bro. Like, so you're more like a Netflix binge watcher when it comes to podcasts and I'm more like a old school channel flipper on the remote. Like I'll even listen to just parts of uh, different podcasts. That's how I get through so many. And if you look at my feed, it's like every single genre except basically true crime, but I even have like one right. podcast in there that I love as well. So, oh, that's, that's really interesting, man. Yeah. Um, and I think yeah, that's okay. I, uh... I think honestly, bro, I just uh, one little point. I think that's the uh, an, an example of the listenership of podcasts kind of evolving, and now you see that there's different types of podcast listeners. So that's actually good to know. Yeah, you know. Yeah, so. yeah, huh. yeah. I'll anyway, resolve. What you are some sin. of your confessions? <laughs> oh well, thank you. Well, thank you, thank you. Well, we'll see All if right, our man. listeners uh, agree with you. So okay, my big confession is that my head has been really, really messed up uh, the entire time we have been doing this podcast. Um, I reference it a little bit, but I have really focused on, in 2017, of repressing and suppressing how bad my head is impacting my emotions and my uh, my loved ones, my relationships, and just my cognition. So 2017 was the worst year I've ever had with my head. I got four concussions uh, in 2017. Yep. Um, my two most recent was, as I said, fishing. And then like a week later, like when I was in Arizona, I smacked the back of my head against the freezer door when I was reaching into the fridge for a beer. So, um, so as a result, I, you know, those are, that's like up to maybe 27 known concussions. Now I have been developing some pretty disturbing neurological symptoms. I mentioned the Jimmy legs, um, my speech has been impaired. Um, I mumble. And then I also, have this thing called heteroglossia, which is really, really rapid speech that I can't control. Um, it hits me, these symptoms hit me in waves, and I've also been feeling 
I call dropsy. So I've been getting these palsies in my hand. Um, right now I have a really good family doctor. I have also found like a really solid physiotherapy team, um, both of which help me identifying and addressing individual or cluster symptoms. Um, I'm also going to go on January 18th to a concussion traumatic brain injury rehabilitation center at the Ottawa Civic Hospital. So I actually found this when I was doing my mm. MA research. So I have some resolutions. And what, are, what are they going to do there yeah. at the uh, at the hospital? Honestly, I don't know. It's um okay. it's a multi departmental well, sort of thing. Uh, so you go for like an intake, and then they just sort of go from there, um, which is really good because with concussions or any traumatic brain injury, I, I'll say, um, everybody's experience is very, very different. So you need a very multidimensional approach to it. And you need kind of like a team of specialists to help you. So um, my physiotherapy team, for example, they just happen to practice this sort of approach. And then my family doctor, her philosophy is really like holistic and and uh, open-minded basically. So, okay, so in terms good. of like that's good. the healthcare I'm receiving, it's actually, I'm at a really good place for it. So yeah, my yeah. resolutions related to my head, um, I'm going to have to find ways to ask for and receive accommodation. So when I'm in sensorily overwhelming spaces, um, I need to ask for accommodation for my own like mobility and, and therefore my own safety. Like I've been getting pretty faint. So I'm, I'm, I've found this in the past really embarrassing uh, because I have this thing, they call it an invisible illness, illness, but I feel like I'm at a place now, man, where I'm not embarrassed anymore. So I really need to learn how to ask for accommodation. So also right, related right. to that's that a good, is... Uh, that's a good confession. Thanks, man. Um, so also related to this is learning how, like linguistically, how to disclose my, um, my disability. Um, I've found that in the past saying my concussion number is not really effective. People always just say, how'd you get so many concussions? So you see the blame and responsibility becomes displaced onto me, right? So I found recently, man, that saying I have a neurological disability or neurotrauma has been really effective in cutting this bullshit out. So lastly, I am super sensitive to individuals, either doctors or people in my everyday life who... I say disbelieve my condition. Uh, As a disabled person, I need to find ways of not getting angry and pissed off and also better describing how or what I experience. This starts with my Mm -hmm. Melly and then my family, friends, and then, of course, you as well. But uh, I will say, Phil, just again, you always do a great job of accommodating me, man. Like even we were supposed to record this thing yesterday and you knew that my head was messed up from travel. And we just recorded it this morning when you know that I'm at my freshest. Yep. So I need people yeah. like accommodating me basically. Yeah. So and you it. know, you. like, <laughs> um, well, you know, thanks for saying that. That's uh, another good confession, I guess. But, um, you know, it's always been a part of my life. So um, my father um, grew up with a disability. Uh, he had polio as a child. So I always knew my father as... Um, you know, it, back in the day, we used to call it handicap, right? So we had like mm-hmm. a handicap parking ticket and all that kind of stuff, but it, you know, it's a disability. And then later in life, he, um, he was inflicted with cancer and passed away uh, when I was quite young. So I've always kind of lived with uh, someone with reduced mobility around me where you want to do things, but maybe it's not the right time, right? Um, maybe, maybe the time isn't now. We got to wait. 
uh, or you know, if we had planned on doing something, uh, maybe that gets postponed. Um, so you know, that's always just. I think I've developed a philosophy in that uh, you know, plans are fluid. Uh, things can change, and uh, really just to kind of relax a bit. And so you know, yes, I I'm I, I I get what you're going through. I understand some of it, not fully, but. I think, you know, accommodation really is just, uh, looking at you for it. Like you decide when it's good, you decide when, uh, when you're ready and that's that. Um, and if that coincides with when I'm ready, then so be it. Sometimes it won't. Um, hmm. and that's just it. But, you know, going into 2018, knowing that, um, sometimes we're not going to record and get an episode out on the day that we say that we will. Um, let's talk a little bit <laughs> about some of our podcast resolutions and confessions um because i think starting the year (laughs) starting the year um talking about uh you know kind of where we want to go and uh you know we we might have a few confessions to make about uh, the podcast as well so i'm i'm gonna kick it off Mm. i got two to kick it off um one of my uh podcast resolutions uh, we can call it a joint one because i think you agree on this one um is to have guests and be guests on more shows Um, and you know, the confession to this is that, um, although we were guests and we had guests on, I think we could do more. I think we can be more involved in the, uh, indie podcast community. And I think, uh, that's, you know, my kind of confession. Um, but I think, um, I I had that one too, man. Like that's exactly. And I like how you put that, like we can do more. Um, I didn't actually think of it that way, but uh, I think that's a good way to approach it. Like we could totally get out there more. Like my setup right now, I'm sitting in my closet with a comforter around me. Like we can do this at any right. time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that, um, no, I'll talk about it now, but I think one of the things going forward, uh, to accommodate you, but also, you know, just to get the show rolling, so to speak, is that we will be doing more uh, of these episodes where we're not in the same room. Oh yeah, for sure. No, that's a huge, like, um, accommodation for me and also um on the same token these sort of like um that individual like the violet files that i'm going to start that's so that like you know it's 6 a.m and i i'm sort of clear i can just bang out a violet file in like 12 minutes you know so um that's a way of us just getting more content out and accommodating for my my challenges for sure yeah so the second kind of resolution slash confession that i have matt is uh to turn towards indie or lesser known musicians work. And we've been doing it for a few weeks now on the show. And I think uh, listeners have appreciated what we're trying to do. I really enjoy what we're doing. So really in 2018, I want to showcase more indie or lesser known musicians uh, art uh, on our show. Yeah, that's a good resolution, man. And and a little confession on my part. Um, I've always been terrible at following indie music and um. So this is a good way for me to actually become exposed a little bit. So awesome. another sort of confession, but also resolution for our own show that I have, I want to enhance my cognitive creativity on um, this show. So past guest, Devin, um, he actually took a class, um, an Anthro 100 class where I was his TA. And he said to me that I'm a very discursive thinker. I jump around on topics a lot. Um, so what I want to do with my cognitive creati- creativity for our show is try to be more focused, but also hit a lot of interesting points. So it's kind of weird, but um, I sort of use this podcast as a way to stave off, hopefully, neurocognitive decline. 
So what I want to do in response is enhance my cognitive creativity. So. Neat. That's a good resolution. Yeah. Thank you. Um, and then also just on this a completely unrelated note, but I want to learn how to edit a little bit to take some of the load off of you, Phil. Um, that would you know, be, I can amazing. be more Yeah, I know. That's what I'm thinking. And it won't be like too <laughs> fancy. I'm not going to be doing sound drops or anything, but if I could, you know, just tidy it up a little bit, I think it would take some of the, the time load off for you in post-production. Um, and then also for our content, I just want to be more structured and a little bit more academic depth. I think I've been sort of riding on the coattails of saying, oh, I've never thought of that before and just responding, but I want to actually kick up my preparation a little bit more as well. Yeah. All right. Yeah. That's those, those are my uh, podcast resolutions and confessions. <laughs> we got a lot to do this year, Matt. Uh, it's going to be, I think it's going to be a great year for the podcast. going to be a great year for us individually as people. It's going to be a great year for us, uh, interpersonally, uh, within the community. Um, now the other kind of bit, uh, to resolutions and confessions, uh, of course, Matt is predictions, but before, uh, we go to predictions, let's lighten the mood a little bit. And I want to play yet another song from Computer Hash. This track is called Ronald and Nancy on Drugs, and it seems fitting as a satirical confession, I believe. Uh, so when we come back, our 2018 predictions. Nancy's joining me because the message this evening is not my message, but ours. Despite our best efforts, shortages of marijuana are now being reported. From the early days of our administration, Nancy has been abusing marijuana on a daily basis, and her personal observations and efforts have given her such dramatic insights that I wanted her to share them with you this evening. I yearn to find a way to help share the message that drugs open your eyes to life, to see it in the vivid colors that God gave us as a precious gift to his children. And drug abuse is not a crime. Drugs and excessive alcohol are used by form of Attorney General Meese. Drugs to help us create love and hope and trust and confidence. Being friends to others is the best way of being friends to ourselves. It's up to us to change attitudes and just simply enjoy life to the fullest. And in the most important area, individual use, we see progress. The U.S. military has more than tripled the use of drugs among its personnel since 1980. Tonight, I can report to you that Vice President Bush smokes marijuana regularly. And there's one more thing. Nancy and I are hooked on heroin. Each of us was once strung out on several drugs. Here in the White House, drugs are a constant temptation but we still have much to do. Our goal is to expand drug trafficking at all levels of government and in the private sector. Help us, help us. Welcome back. Uh, Phil here sitting in with Matt. We've done resolutions. We've done confessions. We've really were like bleeding hearts today, Matt. 
So let's uh, let's break that a little bit and let's give our predictions for 2018. Um, and here I'm thinking of big, large scale things, things to look out for in 2018, things that were kind of on the uh, radar in 2017, 2016 in the past, and uh, will continue to be going forward. But uh, what's going to happen in 2018? Matt, I'm going to kick it off and uh, I'm going to start my first prediction uh, about podcasting. So podcasting like in general, all right? And uh, I'm going to say that in 2018, uh, nothing huge, nothing big is going to happen in the podcasting world. I think it's going to be relatively status quo. Uh, no new huge players are going to surface. There, you know, there's going to be changes, but uh, nothing, nothing major is going to happen in the podcasting realm in 2018. Yeah, no, that, I think that's a fair prediction. Actually, I think maybe you'll see at most like true crime is. Um, and narrative form might uh, decrease in popularity and there might be a new yeah. kind of genre that reemerges. But yeah, even that I don't think is going to happen. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm with you there, man. I don't think much is going to happen on the podcasting front. No, I think if anything is going to change, uh, like a major change on the podcasting front, it's going to be uh, in the next five years. I don't think it's going to happen in 2018. So I see that, that. I, I see us actually having a really uh, big change in how we consume and produce podcasts once, um, you know, things um, like Alexa uh, and some of the smart home technology evolve a little bit. Um, but right now, I think, um, you know, early adopters have it. It's sort of linked to podcasting. Uh, like you can open the app to listen to one, but it's not yet there. Um, it's not yet at the stage where, it can link podcasting um, in a different way. You know, we still consume it yeah. with headphones. Uh, we still kind of produce it uh, sitting in front of a mic. Um, so nothing major on that front yet. Yeah, and um, even and that I think, development, man, what you describe, that to me that's just like uh, an improvement in like the delivery mechanism or something. Yeah. So instead of like yeah. looking at your phone and hitting a couple of hits, you just say it out loud and then it starts playing. But other than that, yeah. it's like that's not even that major. <laughs> So what about yeah. politics, man? Yeah. Like, uh, something I think, a little more serious, maybe. I think, again, 2018 is going to be another status quo year for politics. And what I mean by that is I think 2017 really uh, rocked the boat politically. And I think 2018 is, we're going to have a little bit more stability on that front. And I know, I know yeah. people are going to say 2018 started off to a crazy year uh, in the U.S. political spectrum. Uh, you know, with Trump, uh, Trump's tirade and increasing chatter about the 25th Amendment. Um, but I, you know, I think all of those things are only chatter for right now. I don't see anything huge coming down the pipe. I think uh, there's going to continue to be tensions with North Korea. Uh, but again, I don't see us going into like World War Three, for example. Sorry, Nostradamus. Um, so I don't think anything major is going to happen on that front. Okay, well, like, first off, thank God. Um, secondly, uh, it's funny that you say rock the boat. It's almost like when you're in a canoe and you put the paddles on either side and you're trying to stabilize it. I think that's what 2018 yeah. is, the metaphor is going to be. Um, I do yeah. disagree in one sense. I think 2018 might be the year that Donald Trump is somehow forced out of office. I'm not sure how it's going to mm. happen. Um, he might just quit um, to save his own, like, to save face or whatever. And if he does quit... I predict that he'll say it's because I got into office and then the the House and the Senate or whatever is so dysfunctional that I just couldn't get all the great things done that I wanted to get done. So he'll he'll spin it, but I, I predict that maybe 2018 is when he bows out somehow. So we'll see. Mm. 
We'll okay. see. All right. Okay. Yeah. Um, oh, do you got any other predictions there? What do you got? Uh, well, I, I have, I have, I have quite a few, Matt. So. Oh, good. Okay. I Keep think going, something. Matt. I think. Yeah. I think something that will rock the boat in 2018 um, centers around cryptocurrencies. So I think cryptocurrencies are going to okay. see a really rough year. Um, my prediction is that Bitcoin will go from very high, uh, which it's starting at like you know something like sixteen thousand. Uh, to very low. And I predict that it will probably end the year, like in December, around 200. Now, okay. analysts are saying that it should uh, rebound back uh, into, you know, the 500 to $1,500 range. I think everyone knows 16,000 is way too uh, outrageous for Bitcoin. Um, but I predict that that bounce back will happen in 2019. I don't see that bounce happening in 2018. And I think um, it's going to be caused by two main uh, pressures. One of them is going to be some new players arriving in the cryptocurrency field. Uh, the collapse of old uh, that are the the ones that are there stabilizing um, the 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 kind of notions of cryptocurrencies and blockchains, but also that a lot of the agreements that have been um, in the works forged uh, for around blockchain uh, actually won't come into force in 2018. They're actually going to come into force in 2019, 2020. So as we move closer to uh, Paris uh, Climate Accord um, targets, and as we move closer towards a lot of those 2020 goals that were set, um, I think we're going to see cryptocurrencies again pick back up. But to be able to be profitable, to pick up by 2020, I think they need a low 2018 standing. So I think there's going to be a lot of downward pressure in the cryptocurrencies uh, in 2018. Okay, holy smokes, bro. That's a lot to chew on. That was fascinating, man. Um, I didn't know you were into cryptocurrencies like that. Um, so I think uh, one, just one of the many interesting points you made there, but just one I'll focus on because that was a lot, uh, is um, how you tied it to um, the Paris Climate uh, Agreement. And a big component of the, of the Paris um, goals are that... Um, I guess emissions are going to be tied to a market-based system. And I think cryptocurrency mm -hmm. yeah. might be perfect for that sort of exchange network of, uh, exactly. of carbon and pollution. That's exactly. fascinating, bro. And, um, and wow. you know, the, the propulsion of blockchain technology is that um, you're not dependent on a third party to transfer secure information. So when, you, when you're exactly. talking about these huge transfers of carbon, um, I'm going to call them tickets, right? Um, and these massive transfers of money between potentially nation states, uh, definitely uh, private industry uh, on an international global scale, uh, it's going to require a different form of transaction. And I don't think um, the banks are currently set up in a way to be able to handle it. And I think blockchains is the way that we oh, can wow. handle these sorts of transactions. Um, but again, it needs to be Bro. profitable, right? So Bro, I just... Um, Wow. So like, sorry, man, I like, so I'm making a few connections here. Um, so carbon is now exchanged like a commodity. And I think that's really fascinating because the banks, as you say, are not set up for that. The banks are set up to exchange commodities um, that are consumable. And it's almost like carbon or pollution or whatever. Um, as a commodity, it needs to be like stored or, or converted somehow. So I think that is the revolution in the banking, financial sector, as well as um the environment, international environmental movement. That is fascinating, bro. Yeah, <laughs> and like I also, I also predict, um, you know, related to cryptocurrencies, but um, you know, Bitcoin will have an IPO launch, 
I think, um, mm. you know, it, it will be traded publicly on um, the stock exchange. Uh, I don't know if that's going to happen in 2018. I think it, it's going to depend on um, if they can get in low. So I don't think they're going to get in at like 16,000, right? Now it is, no. now there are, now we did separate out Bitcoin, right? So you have the Bitcoin blockchain and then you have Bitcoin cash. So I'm talking about kind of like the Bitcoin, um, blockchain um, side of it. I'm not talking about the Bitcoin cash with like the ATMs and all that stuff. Yeah, um, yeah. Because I don't 2017 think, was um, the first year I saw those actual ATMs just in my travel. I think yeah. I saw maybe three of them throughout the year. One of them was at a casino, which is something I predicted yeah. a couple of years ago. That was one yeah. way to stabilize the the thing. So the the general prediction is that 2018 will be when Bitcoin um, stabilizes to a certain degree, and then you can start seeing all the the infrastructure built up around it. Okay, yeah. cool. Yeah, um, uh, down, so downward like, pressures there. Yeah. So what else you got for me, man? I have another kind of emerging tech, driverless cars, I think yeah. uh, will continue to gain popularity as will uh, full electric vehicles. So already really? we know that um, there are certain manufacturers who will release uh, full electrics um, and like, you know, just look at the rise of Tesla vehicles, you know, highly in demand. Um, so I think uh, driverless cars, again, um, we'll see another kind of great 2018 year. Um, the third kind of emerging tech, that uh, I think uh, that I want to talk about uh, some gene therapy. So I think, um, you know, while gene therapy is advancing, I don't think 2018 is going to see a stellar year for it. Um, so my prediction, and this is, um, this is kind of, it's lofty to predict these sorts of things, but I don't see uh, gene therapy technology hitting the everyday person anytime soon. So, um, you know, thinking especially uh, from within developing countries, uh, the black market trade of organs will become a central concern in 2018. And I predict um, that there will be some hard-hitting headlines about organ trade um, that will surface in 2018. And uh, for oh. a couple reasons, I think uh, the developments in CRISPR has attuned our attentions to the need for gene therapy, which means totally. that the stories yeah. of black market trading of organs uh, are going to be uh, more palatable to Yeah, uh, totally. Publishers. Oh, man, that's a really so, good point, um, bro. Yeah. So generally, like with these sorts of things, if you want to sell a newspaper, people have to be willing to read the story. And I don't think a story of black market organ trade, uh, say five years ago, was very sexy. I think they're out there and there are some documentaries made and there is some investigative journalism that happened, uh, but they weren't really consumed by the masses. They definitely weren't on like the front page of uh, Yahoo News, right? Um, but yeah, I think totally. going into 2018, you'll, you'll, I think you'll see on the front page of Google News, uh, some stories about black trade um, of organs. Yeah, um, totally, man. That, that's really interesting too, because I, I, it makes me remember maybe the blood diamonds of like eight to 10 years ago and yes, how, yeah. um, because they made, obviously it's like kind of cliche, but because Leonardo DiCaprio made a movie about it, that's why it came a big thing. But I think the real point is because images of people being amputated, um, I think those images hit this, the, the news. So, tagging on to this because i think this is a really good point man um 2018 you're going to see more imagery of people who have had their organs um you know stolen like because when i first yeah, heard yeah. about this thing this practice uh, it was disgusting you know but that was like 10 years ago so you're right man it hasn't been a story yeah interesting well okay, you cool. know stolen but i think there's also you know a willing um black market yeah. trade in organs where you have willing donors um mm. now what what ends up happening is that the um, the donor comes from a developing country and the receiver yeah. generally comes from a rich country. 
And I think, you know, this is very pessimistic, but I think anytime um, a developing country has a take and a share of commodities, and here I'm saying that organs are a form of commodity, and there's a transfer yeah. of wealth from a developed country towards a developing country, it gets the attention of people. Um, yeah. for a variety <laughs> that's, of whoa, reasons. That's so insightful, bro. Yeah, it's like, whoa, whoa, what are we doing helping these people over here or, or sending our money over there? Yeah. Because the thing I thought about right there, man, was um, how surrogates uh, are used in, surrogate, like mothers, are used yeah. in yeah. developing countries as well. So we could tack that on. It's sort of like organ yeah. donation. You're donating yeah, 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 your yeah, uterus. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. Huh. Yeah. But those stories never get uh, talked about. Like, it's like, oh, some people you know, adopted kids from the developing country, but you don't actually ever hear about how that happened. So, right. Yeah. Interesting. Yep. yep. All right. My okay, last sorry, one, yeah. and uh, we're going to end uh, again on this pessimistic note. Uh, I think there's going to be uh, and like, you know, I'm a sociologist. Okay. So let's just put this out here and I'm probably not right about 99.9% of these predictions. Okay. Um, but um, I predict <laughs> for whatever it's worth, um, that there'll be a major earthquake, um, in the Western world, um, probably on the East coast, uh, and it's going to destabilize the entire coast and force a redesign of cities and buildings and thinking, uh, where we situate ourselves along, uh, coastal regions, uh, think LA, Los Angeles, Matt, 1994, uh, but a lot worse. Of course, so I like remember that like the very eight to 8.4 magnitude. Yeah. Yeah. yeah um, that was so scary. I think for a variety of reasons, uh, you know, that fault line, San Andreas fault line is weakened, it's active, it's ready to go. Um, and depending on where it hits, it can cause other fault lines to also shift. Um, you know, these things are cyclical. Uh, don't know what those cycles are. I'm sure someone who's more informed can email the show and tell Phil how wrong he is. But um, I'm looking at it more from a social perspective. And um, I think there's going to be a some sort of a major event on the East Coast probably. Uh, and it's going to force a lot of, um, you know, social redesign of how we live in cities, how we are sprawling. Uh, it's going it, to, 2018 is going to be the year that we take seriously, um, uh, how we build and design, uh, you know, for catastrophe. And I think, um, maybe this is because my research is sort of linked to that. So I'm more attuned to these sorts of things, but there is an abundance of things, um, books, articles, uh, newsletters, et cetera, that have been calling for this for five years. And in my uh, kind of bleak and small understanding of economic cycles, if there's money to be made in it, someone has made a forecast that is 10 years away and someone wants the return on investment now. So now's the time to start building those, uh, you know, earthquake proof buildings to get your money back. Um, so I think we're going to see the rise of that. It just needs a little push and that push is an earthquake. Or maybe a tsunami or whatever. Yeah, see, if I think if they have um, a major earthquake on the East Coast, which is really rare, I think that's where the serious rethinking of cities is going to come from because mm. people in, say, like New York, Boston, things like this will be like, holy cow, it's possible here. Like people freak out when there's a major, like not a major, but a, like a minor earthquake in Ontario because it just doesn't happen right. that often. And it's right, interesting yeah. that you are referencing major climate um, like disasters. So the linkage needs to happen between earthquakes um, and the climate. Um, so I know this and that it's some earthquakes, especially the ones that happen in like the Midwest and like Ontario, Saskatchewan and so forth, 
um, those can be caused by drilling as well. So there mm. needs to be a linkage right, yeah, in people's yeah, yeah. mind between natural disasters and what we're doing to the climate. Um, and it yeah. is interesting that New York just had a significant amount of uh, flooding like two years ago um, or yep. whenever that was, um, but it didn't happen there. But And that should have been the thing. It's like that is sea level rising. Like if you can't link that to climate, but it's almost like society right. wasn't quite ready to make that cognitive uh, connection. So, yeah. um, damn, man, I think you nailed those predictions. I have nothing nothing else to add. Do uh, you have any, like, outro music or anything else you'd like to add here? Maybe any last thoughts? Jeez. All right, so we're going to wrap it up. It's been going, uh, yeah, we've been talking for a while now. We're going to wrap it up. Cool. Uh, we are pleased to be able to play a track, Matt, from singer-songwriter Cody Prevo. Uh, Cody is a Canadian country music artist, so flipping genres completely from computer hash. Uh, Cody is a four-time Canadian Country Music Association nominee and a six-time Saskatchewan Country Music Association Entertainer of the Year and Male Vocalist of the Year winner. Uh, He releases music on his own label, uh, Good Spirit Record. Uh, He has recently released a new studio album entitled Radio. You can pre-order signed copies of that album right from Cody's website. And if you sign up and receive the Cody Prevo uh, Diaries for free, he'll also send you some tracks of uh, the radio album. So it's music and stories about life, love, loss, and faith. They're touching, they're inspirational. It's just the kind of thing you want to kick off your new year. So make sure to check out www.codyprevomusic.com. Head on over to Facebook and find Cody at Cody Prevo Music. You can also follow him on Twitter at Cody Prevo. Send him a message. Uh, you know, tell him what you think of his music. Uh, tell him that we sent you. You know, why not? Tell him some intellectual musings got you hooked on his tunes. It's a Canadian thing. So, you know, just be, be nice, be kind. Um, in 2014, Cody released his third studio album titled All Kinds of Crazy. Matt, it seems appropriately titled for today's episode as the world around us is becoming bonkers and I have the feeling some of us just want to party through it. So today we leave you with the title track of that album, All Kinds of Crazy. Awesome, man. And you can reach us on Twitter at the underscore SIM underscore POD. We're on Facebook at the Simpod. Email us questions, concerns, comments, considerations at semi-intellectual at gmail.com. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. Just Google us. We're on the internet. We're internet famous these days. Uh, So we're going to leave you uh, with this song, All Kinds of Crazy from Cody Prevo. And uh, stay tuned after the song. So here's your incentive to listen to the whole thing. Uh, We're going to give, uh, we're going to read iTunes reviews. and We're going to give some thanks. Sweet. So thank you for listening. Thanks for joining us. Uh, Talk to you all next week.
Listener appreciation time. Matt, we have iTunes reviews, we have Facebook uh, reviews and likes and all this kind of stuff. Uh, so let's just get to it. Uh, Matt, can you read uh, read us a first iTunes review? Perfect. So this is from uh, like Melania or something. Uh, Phil and Matt Melania. doing it. Am- yeah. Melania? Uh, Melania Trump, maybe. <laughs> Phil and Matt do an amazing job of combining new and hot topics that I actually care about with a down-to-earth conversational background. Their scholarly knowledge really shines through, but this very accessible and engaging. Highly recommend. Give them a listen. Great mixing, too. That's pretty solid. Look at us. Uh, yeah, that is a solid review. Thanks, Milani. Uh, you know, that's what we do. We like to shine. Uh, <laughs> I got one here from uh, Fudusku. Fudusku. Right. Great podcast. <laughs> Fudrescu, great podcast. They say, uh, Phil and Matt are fun hosts that invite listeners to engage with complex social issues and theories at a conversational level. As a current PhD student edging my way to the post-academic and sans-tenure future, they remind me of the purpose and philosophy and critiquing everyday life. Their banter is hilarious and their conversation will bring in more than just academics, but also curious individuals and fans of contemporary social issues. Looking forward to hearing more from Matt and Phil. And uh, this this review is titled "Need More Episodes." So I don't know how much more we can give you. We're, we're like we're trying to do it every week. Fujitsu, <laughs> like uh, we'll, we'll get you more. We'll get you more. I love that uh, they threw in a little bit of French there. Sans tenure, uh, future. Sans that, tenure. Uh, yeah, that's yeah, right. That's yeah. a little perfect. So I got one here from uh, Redhito, R D H I T O. Uh, take your best guess. Uh, super crisp sound. That is impressive for any podcast chill guys and a chill nice. listen love house of heel with a yeah like a bicep house of heel there. podcast oh okay. yeah thanks okay. uh yeah thanks house of heel that's awesome uh yeah, I thanks guess, house of you know, heel for promoting your own show in our itunes review <laughs> hey why not why not and if you have a podcast <laughs> make not? sure to uh go on itunes and review us and uh here's your shout out time Here's, yeah. a, here's one from Former Attic 420 I found this podcast through a Facebook group about podcasts. Okay, so that's, that's good. Uh, I'm happy that I did. Uh, it's right up my alley. Excellent variety of content and definitely a high-quality show. Uh, that one's titled Great Stuff. Well, thank you, Former Attic uh, 420. Uh, <laughs> but uh, it, speak, it, it speaks to uh, the Facebook groups about podcasts. They're, they're great. 
Yeah, it was super meta. Facebook groups about uh, podcast groups about podcasting. It's uh, it's great. Um, and I love uh, that I got you to say 420 somehow on this show. Um, so I got go. uh, one last one here. Uh, Radio Max FM podcast is the yeah, name. So, Radio well, Max. There's, there's another shout out. <laughs> Thanks, Radio Max. I know uh, I talk to you on uh, Facebook all the time. Uh, yep. Uh, yep. You're a good guy, man. Um, really nice show, and the sound quality is just perfect. I think Phil included that Sweet. one just so you got another shout out as well. He also says good blanket here. He also says good chemistry between the hosts and fun and entertaining topics. Really nice to listen, Max. And uh, I find it great. He titled the review "Balsam for the Ears." <laughs> Balsam. Wow. Balsam. Oh, we should do yeah. a, a linguistic analysis on that word for a little bit. There's a few meanings there <laughs> that I could dig out. So, uh, Phil, you said we have uh, some Facebook reviews, maybe? Or we have some Facebook, Facebook reviews. Uh, so, I'm, uh, you know, I'm going to kind of rapid fire these ones. But thank you to Avi Sherman uh, for leaving us a rating and review. Uh, thank you to a certain Melanie. Uh, and I'm going to call you biased, but thanks for the review. Um, Marion. Uh, thank you for the rating and the review. Uh, another certain Mel, I'm not going to say which one now, but uh, highly engaging, not to mention hilarious. So, you know, she says uh, that she uh, gets smarter every minute that she listens to the podcast. So that's uh, by the end of this episode, you're going to be quite, uh, I don't know, whatever. Uh, Chris Krolick, Chris Krolick, thank you for the review. Uh, Thanks, Zach, DC. Uh, Zach Twomley. So thanks, uh, thanks for the rating and the review. Uh, Daniel Lowe's. They break down complicated stuff and make it interesting and fun. And uh, first Australian listener. Ooh. Uh, you know, Daniel, I don't, um, I'm not going to dispute that fact that you're our first Australian listener, but we do have quite a few Australian downloads. So maybe, uh, maybe you're the one responsible for that. Love our Aussie friends, our Aussie uh, cousins and neighbors. Yeah, totally, man. Uh, Anthony Von Dessauer, who was a, uh, a guest on our podcast uh, twice, actually, uh, calls us a treasure. If you're not listening to the show, you should be. Uh, topics are compelling and picked apart to their simplest components. Matt and Phil are hilarious. You're going to learn something. Enjoy the experience. Stop reading this review and listen to them. Go. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, Anthony. Thanks, Anthony. You can uh, open my treasure chest and dig around anytime you like. Anthony, my treasure chest is always available to you if you can find it, because that's <laughs> what makes it a treasure chest. Uh, now, two names known on the podcast. David, uh, thank you for the rating and review. He says, compelling stuff, fantastic show, a must listen. Uh, and uh, Evan, Evan Ferguson gave us, uh, he's on Facebook now, gave us a, uh, a nice five star. That's, that's the name we like. And uh, least, last but not least, uh, Rhett, Rhett Hall from the Brain Trust Bros network uh gave us a nice five star rating as well wonderful podcast by two wonderful men glad to call them my friends there is a word in there men i don't know are we men sometimes <laughs> i feel like we're children i don't know but uh yeah so if you want to leave us a rating and a review and get a shout out we'll do this uh this, you know we're gonna try to do it every week we're gonna try to read the new reviews every week uh, you can find us on Facebook at The Simpod. Uh, you can also tweet at us at the underscore SIM underscore POD. And if neither of those channels uh, work for you, 
Send us an email, semiintellectual at gmail.com. We'll read what you have to say. Uh, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play. And I'm going to say that if you want to find us, you can also find us on Podknife. So Podknife, really, uh, really kind of uh, active on Twitter. Uh, check them out. And, uh, I'll, you know, I haven't done this for a while, but check out Podchaser as well. Podchaser lets you review each episode. Not only just the podcast, but you can review the episodes that you like, that you dislike. Tell us what you think. We want to hear from you. Uh, it's always fun to get those notifications that we have in your review that has come in, especially on the Facebook page. Yeah, totally. It's great for our confidence. So, yeah, we really appreciate it, and we really appreciate all the listeners. And I just want to say before I forget, happy 2018 to everybody who joins us on the Simpod. Yeah, happy 2018. Uh, looking forward to hearing from you. Looking forward to connecting with you on our social medias. And uh, that has been Listener Appreciation Time. Get back now. Make your brain take some facts. Yeah. Make your hands